those California Indians down. Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. From Marcus Lopez, I'm your host, Larry Smith. Today on American Indian Airwaves, we go to the Yellowstone National Park and state of Montana regions and get an update on the protection of buffalo relations as the recent killings of 13 buffalo relations and escalations by hunters taking buffalo relations lives. We'll get an update with the communications director of the Buffalo Field Campaign. All that and more here on American Indian Airwaves. You can hear when the moon shines bright the lone Today on American Indian Airwaves, we go to the West Yellowstone, Montana region and Native American nations throughout the region to get an update on the recent increase in the taking of Buffalo Relations lives. This past December 29th of 2022, over 13 Buffalo Relations and yearlings were unexpectedly taken from us when a semi-truck ran into a family of buffalo that and ranchers continue to escalate the taking of buffalo relations lives throughout the regions today on american indian airwaves marcus lopez and myself have the honor and pleasure of speaking with tom woodbury the communications director of the buffalo field campaign the buffalo field campaign has been at the forefront of protecting the last free-roaming herd of bison relatives in the lower 48 states and promoting and advocating for the increase of the bison habitat and populations. This is Tom Woodbury with an update on the protection of the buffalo relations throughout the Yellowstone, West Yellowstone, Montana area and its sacredness to Native American nations. We're speaking to Tom Woodbury here on American Indian Airways 2023. Exciting year. Tom, tell us about what's going on with the Buffalo Phil campaign uh, to our listeners. Well, um, yeah, thanks, Marcus. First, um, I know... I wanted to be sure I conveyed um, Happy New Year to everybody out there on behalf of our executive director, uh, James Hope. Um, and I know he wanted me to say hi to you, Marcus, and, and tell you all um, um, that he wishes the best for you all in the new year. Um, so right now, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting time right now. Buffalo Field Campaign, of course, is out in the field um, with the buffalo whenever they wander or migrate, I should say, uh, beyond the park boundaries. And um, so that's basically two operations, one on the north, on the north side um, near the gate uh, at Gardner, um, and then here um, near Horse Butte on the west side of the park. And uh, 
we've had a very early migration um, this year, so it's, we've been really busy uh, uh, out in the field. On the north end, that tends to be um, monitoring uh, uh, the hunt um, by tribes and state hunters, um, just, you know, watching the bison and where they're at in relation to hunting and making sure everything, um, you know, just basically bearing witness um, to whatever's happening out there with the bison. Um, and as a result of a hunt that's carried out under, you know, very difficult circumstances um, at the insistence of Montana Department of Livestock. So it's not a it's not an ideal situation out there at all, but it is, of course, reestablishing relationship between the tribes and the bison, which is was severed over a century ago. So, you know, we we are strong um, proponents of treaty rights in relation to buffalo, and um, and um, so we rejoice at the the fact that the tribes are having this opportunity to reestablish their relationships um, with the bison and engage in honorable harvest, which, you know, we feel confident um, all the tribes are doing that, um, honoring um, the sacrifice of their buffalo relatives and so forth and feeding their families and, you know, and kind of beginning, uh, you know, the beginnings of real cultural um, healing um, on, from, the, from the beginning of that or the renewal of that relationship, that sacred relationship. So, so that's there's hundreds of bison out of the park on the, on the north side and keeping people busy over there. Um, and um, on the west side, um, we're all kind of um, carrying heavy hearts right now because uh, we recently um, had um, one of the worst um, um, loss of bison on the road on Highway 91. Then that um, has ever been experienced when um, 13 um, mothers and yearlings uh, were mowed down on Highway 191 in the dark um, by a semi-truck. Um, and that's, you know, it's hard. And there was one, um, one calf that we know of, or one yearling that was orphaned. Uh, it was part of the accident because uh, um, we saw him the next day wandering about days and confused and missing a horn and kind of blood bloodied face and um, near the crash site um, and that that's those the the bison that come out of the west side of the park over here under horse butte year-round habitat the only you know like really secure year-round habitat in montana for bison it's their calving grounds um that herd is in trouble you know, it has declining, uh, declining population in contrast to the overall population of bison in the park. And um, it, it is the most direct uh, lineal descendant of the original 23 um, bison that um, survived the Holocaust, the Buffalo Holocaust. And uh, so, um, so the, the, it's, it's really heartbreaking then to see, you know, so much... Um, uh, carnage uh, involving um, yearlings and and their mothers, um, especially because we've been shepherding them around, you know, the butte uh, as well as we can for the last couple of months, and mostly um, mostly those bison had been hanging out at a sanctuary on Horse Butte, and uh, very little hunting pressure over on this side of the park, 
um, in contrast to Gardner. So, you know, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of national attention to this um, tragedy on Highway 191, and so we're quite busy trying to turn um, tragedy into uh, opportunity um, and healing um, by um, calling on our um, political leaders and you know park and forest service and Deb Holland and uh, and uh, Department of Ag to um, insist on a um, safe wildlife passage um, for buffalo uh, coming out of the park onto Horse Butte because 70% of all um, of the bison vehicle collisions happen in a seven-mile stretch on Highway 191, and it's been going on for too long, and there's no, there's really no excuse for it. So we want to, we're building, <clears throat> we're going to start a campaign here to generate support for the first buffalo bridge in the world at the world's oldest national park um, to create safe, safe passage for buffalo from Yellowstone into their year-round habitat on Horse Butte. And um, we're getting a lot of support already uh, for that. And there is $350 million that Congress has appropriated uh, nationally for safe wildlife passage and uh, over the next three years. So we think it would be, um, it's time, it's time to uh, address the, the problem there and help that, help that herd, which is the subject really of, uh, or the reason for the, in, the fact that Fish Wildlife Service is considering our petition to list um, Yellowstone's bison as a threatened endangered species mm. under the Endangered Species Act. So, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what's going on with us this season. And this is my first season as communications director, so I'm you know trying to hit the ground running. In, in talking, you mentioned the $350 million uh, appropriation uh, uh, by Congress. And, and of course, uh, that begs the question, you know, where does the Montana Department of Transportation stand in, in relationship to this funding and in building uh, this uh, this bridge for our court, creating a, a corridor for the Buffalo relations? And, and, and I was wondering if you can speak to that. And also, um, I noticed there's been an increase uh, since the last time we spoke with Buffalo Field Campaign. There's been an increase in the taking of Buffalo relations outside of the the slaughter uh, recently on Highway 191. I was wondering if you could speak to that as well. Okay, um, so on the first topic, um, Department of Transportation from Montana well, and for all of the states, um, are responsible for administering uh, uh, and funneling that $350 million um, down to wildlife passage projects. Um, so their, um, their support is obviously key. And uh, in the past, we've consistently um, asked the Montana Department of Transportation for traffic calming measures along that seven mile stretch. And um, while we, they cooperated with us in, um, um, as far as signage and uh, in, our, in our own efforts to reduce collisions, um, we haven't had any success in reducing the speed limit um, through that stretch, which is the, the short term solution, right? right. Um, but we, um, I'm also 
I also represent uh, Buffalo Field Campaign on um, the Montana Montanans for Safe Wildlife Passage, uh, which is a coalition of um, uh, a large coalition of groups uh, involved with um, um, uh, improving wildlife passage across highways in Montana. Um, and that group is working with um, Department of Transportation and Fish, Wildlife, and Parks on uh, addressing wildlife passage issues in Montana. So there's a lot going on, you know, and I'm sure um, with that money, we've known for some time that that money would be coming available. So I think all the states are kind of gearing up. And I understand as well that there is a, uh, a highway uh, 191 corridor study, corridor study um, that can, some consultants were, are preparing that is going to be um, issued uh, soon, very soon, any day. And um, that will contain, I, I don't know uh, what that report is going to say, but it will have recommendations for um, uh, improving wildlife passage along 191. Um, but, so we're basically just trying to ramp that up and to just say, you know, look, this is, this is the heart of our wildlife, you know, refuge system in in the United States. It's the first and oldest national park in the world. And um, unlike Banff National Park, just over the border to the north, which has like 13 wildlife bridges and nine, nine tunnels, and you know they've they've spent you know millions and millions of dollars up there. Um, safeguarding wildlife passage around Banff National Park, and it kind of puts us to shame, you know, because we don't have any uh, safe wildlife passage, like bridges and tunnels uh, around Yellowstone. Um, so I think this, I think this unfortunate um, tragedy is is a real uh, wake up call, and will become a catalyst um, for the kind of changes. Well, you know, for getting the world's first buffalo bridge built. That's basically what it comes down to, and I don't know how anybody could not want that on the Madison River here. So, you know, if we can address 70% of all bus, buff, bison vehicle collisions um, with with a bridge and some fencing, you know, I think it's, it's in everybody's interest to do that. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're speaking with Tom Woodbury, Communications Director of the Buffalo Field Campaign on protecting the buffalo relations throughout the Yellowstone state of Montana region and its importance and significance and the work of the Buffalo Field Campaign and Native American nations are doing to protect the buffalo. And now back to the interview. So um, the reason that the the number was so low for 2021, I believe it was like 20 or 30 or whatever, that was all almost all from hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the IBMP and the State um, Department of Livestock had set a coal target for that last year, 2021, um, of over 1,000. Um, and that didn't happen. And um, part of that is because the Park Service is has been studying uh, all the science on 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 bison and um 
have are not going along anymore with um, Department of Livestock and Montana's insistence on um, maintaining or uh, or suppressing the population. So the population right now is like 6,000, um, right around 6,000, and that's as high as it's ever been um, since the original 23. Um, and um, as far as the you know the the park service is concerned. Um, there's room for more. Um, up to 10,000 is kind of what the science is showing them. And it's also showing them how beneficial the bison are on the land in the park and the place, so that not only having, not only can the park accommodate more bison, but it actually be healthy um, for the ecosystem. And of course, the ecosystem at large, you know, outside of the park, another 12,000 miles square miles of national forest land um, that the bison should be inhabiting but are um, precluded, have been precluded. Um, you know, that needs to change as well. So, so basically, there's a growing population of bison because the park is adopting um, science-based uh, management um, criteria uh, over the objection of the state, which wants to continue reducing the population down to a, half of what it is right now. And um, the reason that there is a, uh, an uptick in the number of bison being killed this season uh, in part has to do with the, the, six, the, the growing population of bison, especially the northern herd. Um, it's also because there's um, increased demand from, from the various tribes for hunting opportunities. So they are not using uh, the trap facility. They're not trapping bison and shipping them off to slaughter as they used to do at the, at the state's insistence. They're not willing to do that anymore. And um, they're keeping the trap facility closed um, to accommodate uh, the hunting pressure just, uh, just outside the park there. And so because of, we think because in part of the flooding um, this last summer, um, and of course in part because of the weather, um, that the bison came out of the park um, in large numbers um, about a month and a, a month ago, a month and a half ago. And um, um, so the, and there are plenty of tribe, uh, hunters over there, especially from different tribes and uh, wardens from the different tribes um, regulating the hunters. And, uh, you know, as far as we've been able to observe, all the hunting has been according to, you know, um, uh, uh, according to what is permitted under the um, IBMP, the Interagency Bison Management Plan. And so, um, so there have been about 100, a total of about 130 um, bison killed so far this season. Um, that includes road fatalities and uh, hunting. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I was going to ask you, for our listeners, they might now be familiar with when you talk about Yellowstone, when you talk about the different states. So once you get, start with a bird's eye view, what are you talking about? What geographical area to our listeners? And um, the total number of buffalo, and then 
uh, just let's start with that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so yeah, everybody is familiar with Yellowstone National Park, and that that's where the surviving um, that that's where the survivors of the ecocide from the 19th century, when our government tried to wipe out um, the species. Um, there, there have been there's been um, pretty healthy population there for some time, or at least a viable population. Um, there are actually two herds of bison in the park. So uh, when the bison uh, migrate out of the park within the Yellow, greater Yellowstone ecosystem, um, and the park only represents about 15% of their historical um, range, this, this herd's historical range, um, then, um, then they run into interference and for years there was no tolerance for bison outside of the park uh, anywhere that's still true in Idaho and the Targhee National Forest um, in Montana uh, largely because of the efforts of Buffalo Field Campaign and all of its supporters um, we have year-round habitat now on Horse Butte which is the buffalo's calving grounds where they come out in the spring and have their babies and uh, and where it's easier for them to access grass because um, uh, slightly lower elevation than the park and um, and then on the north side of the park there's uh, less tolerance much less tolerance uh, for um, bison movement and migration into the national forest land and so um, so yeah, so right now that's um, that there's pressure there for more habitat, and pretty much everybody, all the partners involved in bison management right now, uh, who met last month in um, West Yellowstone here to discuss winter operations, they all support um, expanding or allowing the bison to expand their migration into the greater ecosystem, into the, um, basically, um, the Custer and Gallatin National Forest Lands uh, that surround the park in Montana. Um, and the state is um, the sole sort of holdout uh, that is creating obstruction, basically. Um, or obstructing all the other partners from being able to cooperate and, you know, basically meaning the tribes and the National Forest Service and, um, and the Park Service. Um, so, um, so, yeah, but so what the other important thing to, to recognize is that because of a petition um, being granted by the courts under the Endangered Species Act, um, the Fish and Wildlife Service um, biologists are are intensely studying bison science right now and determining they're doing what's called a threat analysis, which um, uh, is basically determining whether or not bus, um, Yellowstone's bison should be listed as endangered or threatened. And one of the primary threats that they identified right from the start, from announcing the um, the threats analysis 
was the limitation on bison habitat and basically saying, um, you know, that they are limited to 15% of their range right now. And so that's, that's basically why we're here. Buffalo Field Campaign is to advocate on behalf of bison to get them um, back on the land in their, in their ecosystem as a self-supporting um, um, uh, herd and um, to allow the restoration of relationships between uh, the tribes and the buffalo and the, and the land, you know, like because by addressing and restoring those proper relationships between um, humans, um, buffalo, and the land, uh, that's how we're going to end up actually resolving our climate crisis um, and coming back into proper relationship uh, with ecosystems all over the world. That's basically what scientists say is, is called for. Well, thank you, Tom, for that. Um, and for how many buffalo are we talking about, Tom? Yeah, as I said, there's, there's 6,000, about 6,000 wild buffalo um, in the Yellowstone ecosystem in Yellowstone National Park. And there, there aren't many other wild bison left in the United States. I think there's something like 300,000 um, buffalo total in the U.S., but most of those are domestic domestic herds and uh, or um, are not allowed to, uh, are, uh, are treated as livestock. And that was Tom Woodbury, the communications director of the Buffalo Field Campaign. He's speaking on protecting the buffalo relations throughout the Yellowstone Park region and the state of Montana and the work that the Buffalo Field Campaign and Native American nations are doing to protect the buffalo relations and the importance of the creation of wildlife corridors as a way to help protect all living relations, particularly the buffalo, throughout the region. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. That concluded part one of this two-part interview. We're going to take a short break and come back with the second part of our interview with Tom Woodbury of the Buffalo Field Campaign here on American Indian Airwaves. Remember the times That you have held your head high Told all your friends of your Indian claim Proud good lady and proud good man Some great great grandfather from Indian blood sprang And you feel in your heart for these ones Oh, it's written in books and in songs We've been mistreated and wronged and over I hear those same words From you, good lady, and you, good man Well, listen to me if you care where we stand And you feel you're a part of these ones When a war between nations is lost The loser we know pays the cost when Germany fell to your hands Consider, dear lady, consider, dear man You left them their pride and you left them their lands And what happened? 
change come about, my dear man? Or are you still taking my lands? A treaty forever, your senators sign. They do, dear lady, they do, dear man. And the treaties are broken again and again. And what will you do for these ones? They will say, but it's still going on here today. The government's now on the Navajo land, then all the Inuit and the Cheyenne. It's here and it's now, you can help us, dear man. Now that the buffalo's gone. Now That the Buffalo's Gone by Buffy St. Marie off the album Soldier Blue here on American Indian Airwaves. In the second part of today's program, we continue our interview with Tom Woodbury, Communications Director of the Buffalo Field Campaign on Protecting the Buffalo Relations. We go to the Yellowstone National Park, Montana, and surrounding Native American nations regions and get an update on the work of the Buffalo Field Campaign in protecting the Buffalo relations throughout the area. There has been an increase in the taking of Buffalo relations lives from the December 29th accident taking over 13 Buffalo relations to hunters increase in taking Buffalo relations lives. And so the work of the Buffalo Field Campaign continues. They provide us an update and the work they're doing to help create and advocate for ecological corridors along Highway 191 as a way to help protect the buffalo. This is Marcus Lopez and myself interviewing Tom Woodbury, Communications Director of the Buffalo Field Campaign here on American Indian Airwaves. Yeah, that is so important. People can read it more on the Buffalo Field Campaign uh, website. There's all kinds of information and wonderful a wonderful information at your website, but this shifting a little bit more and uh, on the, this notion which you had on um, ecological consciousness is about especially the the um, two hundred countries um, talked about this this banner commitment dubbed thirty thirty. Do you want to comment on that for for our listeners? Yeah. Well, that's basically the science of survival for the human species, you know, uh, and it's it's based on uh, the work of uh, famed American biologist E. O. Wilson, uh, who was a Harvard biologist, um, and be, and he before he died, he passed just over a year ago, uh, but he did, he said that the way for humans to um, not to survive but thrive through the uh, climate crisis is to restore half of the world, um, half of the world's oceans and lands as functional ecosystems. So the 3030 commitment that that all the countries of the world have made um, basically is saying that we're gonna shore up the good, what's out there right now, what's kind of functioning, 
um, 30% of the land and 30% of the seas um, by 2030. And they've recently committed uh, up to $30 billion a year uh, for that purpose. And that's, that's to just sort of create a foothold for species to reverse um, the extinction crisis and, and to um, and the and the severe um, depopulation of wildlife species in the world, but it's it's a waste. It's just um, a landmark for eventually getting to 50 percent of the oceans and lands by 2050. Because that that's if we're able to do that, then we'll draw down enough carbon uh, CO2 from the atmosphere to reverse global warming um, and to basically stabilize the world's um, the world's climate and and uh, and ecosystems so um, so that's a big deal and the science supporting that which has been um, you know a lot of it is new science just from the last 10 years but where they're really figuring out how, how Gaia how this living planet um, functions. Um, that science identifies Yellowstone's bison as one of the 20 key mammals for restoring uh, ecosystems around the world. And for Yellowstone, of course, it's about restoring grassland ecosystems. And grasslands, you know, everybody thinks about climate drawdown in terms of planting trees or protecting forests, which is all, of course, very important. But According to the science, grasslands actually have the greatest potential for uh, sequestering carbon from the atmosphere. And the way you do that is by getting the keystone species back on those grasslands up and down the front range from Mexico up into Canada. Um, if you restore bison to the um, uh, unoccupied uh, grasslands, these are, have been very busy in... Um, cataloging those grasslands and prioritizing them for which ones have the highest potential for restoration and so forth, and beginning to get um, buffalo out on those grasslands, usually uh, working with local tribes. Um, that is sort of what the 30-30-50-50 proposal is about, because we can, we can pretty quickly... Um, secure about 30% of the ecosystems, you know, in a functional way. But to get from 30 to 50, we have to have these sort of climate transition zones where where humans and are working with keystone species in the local ecosystems to uh, restore the ecosystems to um, uh, higher trophic function. Thank you, Tom. You're talking about uh, this global diversity framework of the Montreal Conference of the Parties of the Convention on Biological Diversity. They talk about the the um, ecological recovery and indigenous leadership. Talk about that for for a second for our listeners. Sure. Um, so this United Nations and you know the IPCC, the climate scientists, um, you know it's just thousands of scientists around the world, right, and uh, acting through the United Nations. I mean they're very clear um, that the way we're going to resolve the climate crisis is by um, honoring and restoring indigenous or empowering and centering, I would say, indigenous wisdom and traditional ecological knowledge. 
um, because Western science is what's gotten us into this mess, you know. And uh, um, 80% of the world's biodiversity is presently maintained by 5% on 5% of the lands controlled by indigenous peoples in the world. So they have the track record. Um, they know more than we do, we being the settlers and, and, and science, you know, Western scientists and so forth. Um, but obviously, you know, Western science also has some advantages as well. So by, by basically combining Western science with traditional ecological knowledge, um, that's how you restore ecosystems. I mean, it's just simple as that. It's, it's basically because the wisdom of the land is still held in most cases by the um, people that, that evolved in those lands. And, and so for here in the U.S., in Turtle Island, that means, you know, indigenous people, indigenous tribes. And, um, you know, and indigenous tribes are already doing this, you know, and, and the Biden administration is making a huge priority out of entering into co-stewardship and co-management agreements uh, with tribes. I think they have like 50 or 60 such um, agreements in the works right now, and they've already approved, you know, 20 or 30, something like that. So um, it's, it's, um, it's all of the crises that we're facing right now globally come down to um, uh, relationships, you know. Um, I'm a climate psychologist, actually, and so I don't generally use the term climate change. I use the term climate trauma because the Earth is a living organism and, and um, she's undergoing trauma, and we all feel that because we're part of that organism. But I think tribes, um, pe indigenous people, uh, feel it much more uh, acutely. And uh, so the way to resolve trauma is through relationship. Trauma always arises in improper relationship, and it's resolved through restoring uh, proper relations. So that's basically, that's, that's kind of traditional ecological knowledge right there, but it's also basic psychology, and, and it's also new science of, uh, of a living planet, you know, of, of Gaia and how she actually functions. And so it's kind of like these crises are, are prompting uh, a very encouraging kind of awakening that will that shows not only that indigenous people are um, hold a lot of the keys to uh, recovery, but that by engaging traditional ecological knowledge, tribal wisdom, and Western science, we can begin repairing the relationships between um, settlers and uh, indigenous people. Uh, and and the land, uh, and you can't separate those. That is very true, Tom. Once again, my uh, uh, condolences to all the family and the families up there about the tragedy in uh, Highway 191 and all the other tragedies that occur up there that you are navigating through. So I know it took a hard hit for you all, Larry. Tom, I was curious uh, if you're willing to uh, entertain the question. Um, so much of the work that Buffalo Field Campaign does um, 
you, you, you know, at the state level as well, right? Uh, the federal level too, but also the state level and yeah, particularly uh, Montana and Montana's, um, right, starting with a new uh, um, Congress uh, today on January 3rd. Yeah, the legislature is back in session. Right. And uh, Ryan Zinke, uh, right, who's been elected uh, to the U.S. House, he's representing uh, Montana's first congressional district. And I bring his name up. Um, He was the former uh, head of the uh, Secretary of Interior during the Trump administration. And, you know, he has a a legacy. You know, he resigned uh, due to a a legacy of... um, uh, ethical uh, um, infractions, if you will, um, at the very least, uh, from oil connections to uh, timber uh, uh, industry uh, connections and wanting to promote uh, clear cutting of forests as a way to address the wildfires, to even meeting with um, gaming uh, uh, corporations out of Nevada while indigenous uh, uh, nations that have gaming operations are seeking permits during this administration. But uh, in coming back to Montana, he's born and raised in Montana. Um, he's used, misused his position also to advance a development project there in Montana, the 95 Carroll project near Whitefish. And I was just curious, um, in terms of the work that you do with Buffalo field campaign at the state level in Montana, what, what does it look like with this new legislature? Actually, that's like a, like you're reading from a script from the the series Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we've got idea for a new show there, right? Zinky. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, obviously, with regard to the state, uh, we're on the defensive, and never more so than during uh, legislative session. Uh, Montana's legislature convenes every two years right. uh, this time of year. And, of course, they always want to do um, bad things to Buffalo. You know, that's yeah. kind of one of the... It's a it's a red legislature that has been traditionally dominated by ranchers, yeah. um, in part because it's structured that way. Uh, how many people can take, you know, three, four months off in the middle of winter uh, every two years to um, serve in the legislature? Uh, generally, that's easier for ranchers than it is for school teachers or you know, other folks. And uh, so um, they love to, uh, to cause trouble for bison. And um, so, yeah, we just, you know, all we have on our side is truth. <laughs> and so we speak uh, when, you know, we speak out and do the best we can to neutralize uh, um, bad legislative ideas and so forth. Um, I think this year they're, they're probably going to be focused to a large extent on what's happening up north and with the American prairie um, bison mm-hmm. um, and uh, Bureau of Land Management uh, agreeing to allow um, uh, conversion of cattle allotments to bison allotments for to accommodate um, an expanding uh, herd of um, domesticated. You know, they were wild bison, but they're treating, they're domesticating them, you know, um, at the state's insistence, right, by right. tagging them and fencing them in and stuff like that. 
but um so but we we don't see those issues as separate obviously i mean the way they're treating i, I think you know the over from a climate solution the 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 whole spectrum of of bite wild bison to domestic bison are all very important you know there's too many cows and not enough bison and and uh, um so we're very supportive of, of what American Prairie Foundation is doing, and even more supportive of what the Blackfeet Tribe is doing, mm-hmm. which is getting wild free-roaming bison back on the land up there in pursuit of the Buffalo Treaty. Mm-hmm. And um, our executive director, James Holt, uh, is a signatory to the North American Buffalo Treaty, which is all which is basically shares our mission to, um, you know, get buffalo and other native wildlife on the land for to exist for their own sake and to give them priority on public lands and to allow herds to maintain self-regulating sustainable populations that's our mission right and that's kind of what the buffalo treaty uh says as well and you're listening to american indian airwaves we're speaking with tom woodbury communications director of the buffalo field campaign on protecting the buffalo relations throughout the Yellowstone state of Montana region and its importance and significance and the work of the Buffalo Field Campaign and Native American nations are doing to protect the buffalo. And now back to the interview. And the Blackfeet tribe is is going ahead and uh, sort of aggressively reintroducing bison on the reservation. Um, And... Um, so (laughs) the long and short of it is that, uh, we'll play defense as much as we need to with the Montana legislature and governor Gianforte, who's, you know, trying to, uh, interfere with, um, park service management of bison. But, um, I think we have to be more, you know, our, our resources, we have to play defense, you know, we don't have any choice and that's traditionally what Buffalo field campaign did for many years you know but things are changing now and uh and you know we are going to end up having um buffalo uh free to roam in the yellowstone ecosystem it's just a matter of time um there's too much pressure on hunting and everything for that not to happen so we need to play offense with the park service and uh forest service and um and the biden administration and and um, having a you know Deb Holland as Secretary of Interior, well, you know this next two-year window is is really important because we don't know that Biden's going to get reelected in two years, um, and they're making a lot of positive changes from the federal level down. So I think it's important, you know, just to sort of wage our um, battles on both fronts, you know, um, defensively uh, with what the state's trying to do. But to recognize that actually states' authority for wild um, wildlife on federal lands is quite limited, right. um, whereas the tribes off reservation treaty fishing rights um, on unoccupied lands, meaning national forest lands outside the national park, um, is immune from state regulation, according to the U.S. Supreme Court. So. The tribes are rising up and uh, asserting their treaty rights uh, more and more, and that's good for bison because eventually it will squeeze the state out of the picture as far as um, 
um, bison on, on federal lands. Well, Tom, just like anything else, it's not just personalities and what the shenanigans are involved with uh, or the state and federal, but yet this question of volunteers and of people power, if you will, anytime you have healing, you have people that recognize what the crisis is and what the harm is in order to some resolution to that. You know, and I think part of the message of this Phil campaign, as well as Tom, your remarks um, address the question of what people can do. What can people do? It's, um, what do you want people to um, get away from this discussion, take home and uh, think about it, um, Tom? Well, you know, what we have, the, the Buffalo is our, is our national memo. I mean, there, there aren't a whole lot of people that, that hate um, Buffalo. <laughs> I think that the, the people just have to, this is one area uh, where people can take action and feel good about what they're doing in relation to the climate and, and to their environment and so forth. Um, we can demand um, we can demand restoration of of proper relationships with uh, buffalo in particular, wildlife in general, the safe wildlife passage. You know, people can get involved with um, what's going on in their states as far as um, improving infrastructure for wildlife, um, and you know recognize that um, I think it's really important speaking as um, a Mayflower child <laughs> it's really important for uh, people that um, uh, have benefited from the the, settle, the settlement of the West uh, to acknowledge um, the still existing trauma of uh, genocide that was perpetrated on uh, indigenous people. Uh, we all have, uh, we all live in community with different tribes in the different states. And it's, you know, there's, the tribes are, are rising up now and asserting their own, um, their own sovereignty and political power. And it's growing because uh, of the recognition and acknowledgement that it that it needs to and that's coming from the highest offices in this country from the biden administration on down and people need to get behind that you know like we need to acknowledge that um that the trauma of uh, genocide and the trauma of ecocide of trying to wipe out the keystone species for this entire continent um that those are existing problems that have contributed to the situation that we're in and that we all can work to improve relationships, cross-cultural relationships between tribes and, um, and the settlers, and that, that that needs to happen at every level, you know, and it is happening. So I think um, that's something that people can, uh, can get involved with at their local at their local level and at the political, you know, however they interact with their um, legislators and so forth, and support what you know the Biden administration is is trying to do. Support what like the Park Service is trying to do in relation to bison in Yellowstone. 
and support the Forest Service, you know, like um, Forest Supervisor uh, Mary Erickson of the Gallatin and Custer National Forest. You know, she wants she she's revised the forest plan to permit to permit um, buffalo in the national forest, and we need to give you know her support. So it just depends where you're at, but I think wherever you're at, you can help restore proper relationships between um, uh, between human communities and cultures, and and between humans and wildlife, and um, because that's how we're gonna. That's how we're going to come together again as a, 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 a larger culture and a global community. Thank you, Tom. Now, to our listeners, what if some persons or families or whatnot listen to this discussion and they go, I want to do something? What can they do with the Buffalo Soul campaign and um, how you address that? Well, right now, you know, we're actually finalizing a petition for the world's first Buffalo Bridge. Um, we're uh, directing the petition to to uh, Deb Holland and Cam Shawley and Mary Erickson, and basically trying to get our federal uh, um, stewards um, involved in um, earmarking some of that some of that infrastructure money for um, Buffalo Bridge here on the Madison River and outside of Yellowstone. So find our petition, you can find it online and on our um, website or on our Facebook page. And uh, I think right now, you know, that's that's an important part of the healing process for us for, um, for the tragedy that we just suffered here. That's uh, a good way to show your support right now. And then uh, going forward, um, yeah, just, you know, we, we keep our website up to date uh, with all kinds of action suggestions and keeping people informed on what's happening on the ground, what's happening, what's going to be happening in the legislature here. Um, you know, we're we're definitely going to be needing people's support here in Montana um, to thwart in any legislative um, monkey business, and uh, and then just to you know just to be involved. Um, yeah, politically, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's important right now. Uh, we're we've been, we're coming through a perilous time, I think, as as a republic. Uh, there's still a lot of polarization out there, and you know, wildlife and and buffalo, like these are the kind of things that um, promote healing and people coming together and crosses party lines, you know, crosses the polarized debate and so forth. Uh, we need to come together and heal as a country, as a community, and as a species, you know. And um, so stay, yeah, support us, um, Buffalo Field Campaign, what we're doing. We've got a lot of really exciting things planned for this year. We really are going to try our best to make this the year of the buffalo. Um, and, you know, we'll be introducing some really uh, exciting initiatives in, in the very near future, and um, and and we we have a plan, you know. We have a plan for getting buffalo um, uh, free to uh, inhabit their natural ecosystem here, and uh, and then to get more buffalo on public lands um, throughout the western states. And actually, they're reintroducing buffalo in Florida right now. Um, but that you know, like that's I think that 
everything that people can do to support uh, cohabitation between wildlife and and their communities um, uh, helps. Every little bit helps, and uh, you know that's how we're that's how how we're going to come together and heal as a country. Well, thank Hopefully. you, Tom Woodbury of the Buffalo Phil Campaign, protecting the last wild bison for this interview here on the American Indian Airways. The moment of silence is over. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. We were speaking with Tom Woodbury, Communications Director of the Buffalo Field Campaign, on the work that they and Native American nations throughout the Yellowstone, Montana uh, area are doing to protect the Buffalo relations. For more work on the Buffalo Field Campaign, you can visit their website at buffalofieldcampaign.org. A special thank you to our musical guests for the hour, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, Buffy St. Marie, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studios of Burnt Swamp Studios in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. And for the innocent, you can't justify why your freedom manifests on their grave. Blood never comes clean from the guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains Silence is over.